prepared for that many prisons. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp, of, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I, am not, I did not call. Go back and lay down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Sleep, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling at, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something to, in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hear it hear of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, his sons making themselves contemptible, and he failed to sustain them. Therefore, I swore to, to be, I swore to the house of Eli that guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. This chapter begins in verse 1 that there weren't many revelations from God. It will end with many revelations from God to Samuel. Things change during the course of this, time, this chapter. But right now, there's a shortage of hearing God's word. That may explain why when Samuel hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel, what does he think was happening? <laughs> Eli was calling him. So what does he do in the middle of the night? He gets up and goes into Eli. Eli said, I didn't call you. He goes and lays down. Voice calls again. What does he do? He gets up and goes, and a third time. He gets up and goes in. That's a great attitude on Samuel's part. Would you have gotten up three times in the middle of the night? And each time Eli says, no, it wasn't me. Third time Eli figures out it's probably the Lord. Just talk to the Lord when he calls you. So the fourth time when God says, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel says, I'm listening. And what does God tell Samuel? He's about to carry out what he had prophesied through the other man. Exactly. Judgment for Eli and his family. And why? Verse 13. Because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Now, I don't know that we'd agree with that. What he said back in chapter 2, verses 22 to 25, I think for many of us, well, he did rebuke them. No, he didn't rebuke them. That's what it says. Because the only rebuke that would have been acceptable was a rebuke with some teeth in it. 
to like remove them from the office. Just a gentle reprimand wasn't quite going to get it. You know, he, God considers Eli guilty because he didn't do anything about it. So, as a result of that, God is going to bring the punishment down on Eli's house, and that's God telling that to Samuel. Now, who is Eli to Samuel? Like a father. How do you suppose this made Samuel feel? Lousy. You know, this is pretty heavy stuff to lay on Samuel. Comments and thoughts? Justin? Not a lot of things that we've been saying, but um, you know, a lot of people nowadays would think that skipping a couple um, reprimands to your child or, or not rebuking them as harsh as you should or you know, just being kind of soft with your child um, is not that big of a deal. This is a very big punishment. You know, it's not just, I mean, completely losing their you know, office and his sons are going to die. And, I mean, it's huge. So it shows what God thinks about it. God's um, approach to things is often different from our approach. We might say that, well, you know, this is the better way. But God shows us how he wants things to be dealt with. And he didn't think Eli had been strong enough with his sons. That's, that's what he says. Tim. And kind of like this before, not so much about, because obviously it applies to our children, but what about fellow Christians in the church? And that's kind of what, you know, and to me, I think that's more applicable and scarier and all that stuff. And I'm wondering what our, what this, how much does this apply to exactly what we need to be doing and things like that. Good point. You know, we become these people who want to avoid conflict at all costs. We want to make everybody happy, everybody feel good, and not deal with sins and attitude problems <coughs> that, by God's word, we ought to deal with. I think we ought to look at Jesus. We ought to look at the apostles. How did they deal with <coughs> sins among God's people? What kind of letters did Paul write? Uh, did the Lord himself write in the book of Revelation, etc.? How did they deal with that? That's our model. And if we're not careful, we're more influenced by the model of modern ways of looking at things. You know, it's kind of our, our modern, uh, you know, <coughs> indulgent mindset that everybody's okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and just nobody criticize anybody. So I think it's really, uh, you know, it, it's helpful when we really read the Bible a lot and really think, you know, do I look at things the same way God does? Because I think our outlook on a lot of this kind of stuff is more shaped by just the attitudes of our culture than they are by what the Lord would say. Carlos. Number seven, when uh, it says that Samuel did not know yet the Lord, and what way didn't he know him? Because in chapter two, it kept saying that he kept growing in favor and stature in the, in the Lord. So yeah, I, I think he never had a conversation like this. You know, he never really heard the word of the Lord in this way. That's my interpretation, Alex. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I believe this is like the first time that we see like Samuel actually doing things, because um, like before his mom dedicated him. But um, it's kind of cool because I think Samuel's probably still pretty young here, and God feels closer to him than any of the other priests or the high priest. And so for us today, even though you know you might be kind of young, God, you can still be very close to God. It's not like it's this hierarchy or it's not a senior. Still, you can do a lot for God being really young. 
Yes, we have this idea that until you're 30 or 40 or 50 or something, you really, you don't have any relationship with God and nothing is to be expected of you. You sure don't get that idea from the Bible. Because <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of Samuel-type guys and, and Josiah-type guys and Timothy-type guys and, and Joseph-type guys and David-type guys and all of that that were young and serving the Lord faithfully. Yes, Trevor. Going back to your question earlier about how Samuel felt, uh, I think he feels uh, confused because this guy that he kind of looked up to, his father figure, uh, God comes and tells him at night that this guy's going to die for the, the bad things that he's been doing. And in a way, Eli is the guy that's closest to God and, uh, out of everyone. He's the only one that can go and uh, offer these sacrifices and stuff to God. So it has to be confusing for him. Good point. Yes, I think it would have been damned. I think it's interesting that God only speaks uh, to Samuel after he acknowledges God's presence and that God's talking to him. Uh, I think a lot of times we ask the question, well, why isn't God talking to me? Why isn't I have this relationship with God? Perhaps God's calling to us, but he's not going to talk to us until we acknowledge him and say, hey, I'm listening. I'm all ears, God. Tell me what you want me to do. Great point. I like that. Very good comments. Good discussion. Appreciate your participation. Appreciate your alertness in this as well. Roger. Um, in, in verse 14, so I guess that Eli tried to atone for his sins by sacrificing and God just rejected him for that? Well, they kept offering the sacrifices, but it really didn't help when they weren't doing what was right. Sacrifices doesn't just give us a pass to go ahead and violate God's will. Good point. Yeah, good, good discussion. Yes, Mark. Oh, uh, yes, Lady. Well, I just want to say, I think we can still see uh, a little bit of God's mercy even in this, just in the simple fact that he gave him an awful lot of time to fix this on his own. You're right. Yeah, you're right. This is not something that happened, you know, overnight, and God was already cutting them off. Mark? What about uh, Eli's attitude? Like, you know, it's probably God calling. Leave me alone. You go see what he wants. Maybe, or maybe he's just wanting him to respond to God. God wasn't calling Eli. God was calling Samuel. We'll see, though, in the next section how this is going to play out when Eli finds out what was said. Uh, that could be interesting. I think I'm going to go one more section. That won't take us too long. I feel like giving less breaks early and more breaks later makes more sense. You all still look quite alert. I appreciate that. And when, when you really look bad, I'll give you more breaks. So. <laughs> 15 to 21. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. He said, What is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. My God do so to you, may God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord, let him do what seems good to, to him. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Okay. Um, so, Samuel laid down until morning, verse 15. It does not say he slept. I wonder if he could have after that. 
And how does Samuel feel the next morning when he sees Eli? He doesn't really want to tell him. I don't blame him. I don't think I would have either. But Eli calls Samuel and says, uh, What did the Lord say to you, Samuel? Don't hide anything. And what does Samuel say? He tells him the whole thing. He doesn't, he doesn't hide anything. He doesn't hold anything back. Which is impressive. I think we would have tried to soften it, kind of take the sharp edge off of it. But to Samuel's credit, he reports exactly what God had said. What's Eli's attitude? Let us be done. It's God's work. You know, let him do what seems good to him. I think that's a good attitude. Now, better would have been if he'd actually done what he should have done. But I appreciate the fact that he accepts that message. There are some things about Eli that are likable, that are encouraging. I think perhaps if we'd have been back there and we'd have seen Eli, we would have seen him as a fine, older servant of God. And what you see is that you can have a person who has some admirable qualities and still God be very upset with them and bring judgment against them. I think the more good you see in Eli, the more it stands out that God would not tolerate, tolerate Eli's refusal to deal with what his sons were doing. Yes. It seems to me the ones that God used the most, one who had the most influence, the one that he trusted the most, had the least amount of leeway to mess up or make or make mistakes. That's a think fair about, point. Think about uh, Moses. How much did God trust him? And he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock and said, because of that, you can't. Seemingly kind of insignificant, but too much is given, much is expected, and it seemed like he should have known. James 3.1, the teachers will have the stricter judgment. The more responsibility we have, the more we need to be concerned about being faithful. Justin? Seems like Eli, in verse 17, really knew what God had said to Samuel, or at least, like, kind of the topic of, you know, because he was like, he wouldn't have said, you know, God's going to do this to you, you know, and, and all. I, I think he knew, he just wanted to hear it from him. The man of God had told him, so this shouldn't be uh, news to him. J.D.? Uh, I was looking at this, and it doesn't seem like what God tells Samuel is necessarily all that different than what the man of God told him. So I wonder if this, if this chapter is all about now God's going to be speaking through Samuel. You know, it's not this nameless man of God anymore. Samuel is called in the, in the temple, and he's going to be his prophet. The chapter ends, and everyone knows that Samuel is established as a prophet. And isn't that exactly what we see? You know, verse 19, Samuel grew, the Lord was with him. And like you say, they recognized that God was speaking through Samuel. God being with him is such a key. God's presence is essential to success. And now you see Samuel as the spokesman for God, as the leader of the people, and, so, and no longer Eli as the main focus. I think, as you were saying, there's some good qualities about Eli, but the quality that God is not pleased with him is his attitude, tolerance, and really, he has a hard time having hard conversations with people. And I think like, I mean, I think that's a lesson for all of us, that's a lesson for me. Like, I think we're afraid of having these tough conversations with people that we love, people that we care about, and uh, and it's just hard to get to get them out, and we and we tolerate, and we're too patient, too patient. But God wants us to have these conversations with with the people 
that we care about and the people that we love and, and for the and for sin not to be tolerated. And I know that's a struggle in my life, you know, to have hard conversations uh, with people in my church, with people that I love in my own family. I mean, it's tough to have hard conversations, but I mean, that's God's will for us. Amen. Uh, it's certainly difficult for me. You worry what people are going to think about you. You start thinking, well, this probably will be counterproductive. You know, we don't trust the Lord to just say what He would want us to say. And, uh, you know, again, reading the Bible and thinking about it helps us because you just see this everywhere and it's convicting. Trevor? Uh, I think one the more thing that stands out to me the most is uh, it says that Samuel didn't let any of God's word fall to the ground, um, something that Eli didn't do. And I think that's, you know, what makes Samuel. Good point. Good point. You see something that I don't know if you want this or not, but this won't take me long. There's some in incredible or intriguing parallels between Samuel and Moses. In their childhoods, they were nurtured early on by mothers who had faith, but then they were raised in environments outside their own homes. But then they turned against the corrupt elements in the environments they were raised in. When they were called, there was a double mention of their name. They were first to pronounce judgment against the leaders of the sinful regimes that had oppressed God's people. They both functioned essentially as judges and performed priestly activities. They were both transition figures that really changed the course of the history of Israel. They both had two sons, none of them played significant roles. They are the two great intercessors that are brought together in Jeremiah 15 and the two prophets mentioned in Acts 3. Uh, there's, there's a lot to be said for parallels in the function of Samuel and Moses. So, you can think about that. Uh, appreciate your comments. Good to discuss these things. Great to be together. Let me say a couple things before we take a break. Some of you know a lot of people here. Some people here don't know hardly anybody here. So, meet and talk to people you don't know. That's one of the greatest opportunities we have, is to be around other brothers and sisters uh, I counted up before I came. I think there were going to be people here from at least 13 states and uh, one foreign country. So uh, we've got a lot of uh, opportunity to be around people we wouldn't get to be around otherwise. So use your break profitably. Let's break for 15 minutes and then we'll be back and uh, continue to work with Chris. Thank you.